<laughs> what up guys it's sav back once again it's the talking play blurry cast appreciate everybody for being here you read the title you know what time it is the watch list we talking tv and movies <laughs> this entire episode um i've been watching a lot of shit y'all like i've been watching a whole lot of shit so i'm hoping this episode is not you know too lengthy um i'm gonna try to keep it under or around what i normally do when i do uh watch list episodes but i've been watching a whole lot of shit i'm running through my notes and i've been in tv like a motherfucker <laughs> like this shit kind of crazy <laughs> now that i'm looking at it but um yeah it should be a dope one man a lot of um reviews in the middle of the podcast episode so um be ready for that because that's where a lot of the new shit coming in. I'm talking about like the Kanye doc, you know, my giving my thoughts on genius, um, fat Tuesday documentary on Amazon. If you haven't seen it, wait for me. Cause I'm about to give it to you. It's dope. Um, some other shit on Netflix, like space force and murderville. Like I've been in TV and then, you know, my normal shit that I'll be watching. We'll cover that in the latest or i had a title change we'll talk about that in the episode though but you know euphoria bel-air the usual that you uh have heard me already discuss on here but let's just play the theme music and then we'll get into all of that after so before we dive all the way in like i said title change right the top of the episodes now will be dedicated to what i'm calling the previews <laughs> just pretty much me covering or talking about any movie or tv trailers that um, caught my attention in between watch list episodes here with you guys so let's do that right now because i don't really have a lot so welcome to the previews <laughs> starting off with um the multiverse of madness they released the official trailer right around it might have been the same day as the um you know the big game uh super bowl whatever the fuck <laughs> they released the official trailer marvel i'm talking about looks fire as fuck i'm still you know just as hype for this movie as i was when i saw like the teaser trailer that they dropped at the end of the eternals movie like this shit about to be fire oh what's that the spider-man no way from home where they put that teaser trailer one of the two latest marvel movies that hit theaters that i went to see eternals and spider-man no way from home which i did a review on that already they put a teaser trailer at the end they ended up releasing that i think maybe like a week or two after that movie had came out you know of just you know what we can expect from not a stranger in the multiverse of madness um but like i said around nfl super bowl time they put out another trailer i have to see this movie in 3d let me start right there. The shit look good now. You know, Marvel, they don't play with the special effects. They got the bags over there. They don't give a fuck. They're going to hire whoever they need to hire to make sure their movies look as real as possible. And that's something I've always appreciated about Marvel. It's one of the only reasons <laughs> that I have given 3D movies a chance. Them, you know, little funky ass glasses, they used to bother my eyes a little bit. I ain't going to lie. You stare at that bright screens for too long with something over your natural eyesight. 
it does things to you. Headaches, you know, migraines, even not necessarily me, but it happens to people. I do get the headaches, though. <laughs> but um, I was not like super pressed to see 3D movies until Marvel. I would see a Transformer movie every now and then in 3D. If it looked good, the trailer looked good. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do this in 3D. But Marvel movies are really what made me be like, yo, yeah, 3D is the wave, especially if it's IMAX or XD at whatever Cinemark, whatever movie theater you go to. You know, they got a big ass screen with all the sound system in, in one theater. You know, they got that theater for you. That's for me, too. That's for us. <laughs> Niggas like me who want to sit and watch motherfucking Marvel movies like I'm right there inside them. This is going to be no different. Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the special effects in the trailers look phenomenal. And I saw Spider-Man No Way Home in 3D as well. The uh, special effects in that motherfucker look phenomenal. So they got my money on that. Uh, Miss America, a.k.a. America Chavez, is making an appearance in the movie. That's dope. She's one of the newer Avengers. I mean, she's been around you know, quite some time in the comic books, but as far as MCU is concerned, and you, know, I guess as far as comic books are concerned as well, she's one of the newer ones because she hasn't been there from the inception of Marvel, like maybe a Captain America, but she came along sometime, you know, after they started being okay with letting somebody other than Steve Rogers rock the mantle of Captain America. Either way, she's a dope character. Can't wait to see her on screen. Uh, we also getting, I guess, like this evil variant version of Doctor Strange in the movie, which you can see in What If on Disney Plus right now. If you're just curious as to how dark and sinister this motherfucker is. But all in all, the fucking trailer looks fire. I'm still excited for the movie. I really hope that whatever character that was flying in looking like Captain Marvel, but not um, turns out to be. Uh, Monica Rambo or Photon for the comic book nerds or whatever like really need to see that black lady back <laughs> on the screen doing some dope shit because I enjoyed watching her in WandaVision she got her powers and shit we know she's supposed to become you know what I'm saying a Captain Marvel at some point in her journey as a superhero so if y'all kicking it off now with the Multiverse of Madness let's go because I'm ready to see it also ready to see if that was indeed, you know, Professor X <laughs> in whatever scene that was that we got to see in the trailer where it looked like a conglomerate or a, I don't know, <laughs> a panel of motherfuckers that run the universe just sitting there about to judge Dr. Strange for whatever crimes he committed. I don't know what the fuck the plot of the movie is, but everybody online was saying that the bald head nigga was, um professor xavier so i'm inclined to believe that as well because as i watched the trailers back and looked at the little stills that people was posting i'm like that do look like that bald head guy so i'm waiting <laughs> i'm ready to see professor xavier if that is him um but this is another reason why i don't like indulging <laughs> on the content that all of you brilliant content creators decide to make whenever Marvel releases any kind of trailer for any superhero that they do, y'all rip it apart and figure out every little detail of the plot and how does this connect to other things and all this kind of shit and guest appearances and stuff. And it kind of ruins the experience, but that is the extent 
of which I have chosen to partake in the fandom. After that whole Xavier shit, I'm like, nah, because now I'm starting to understand what the movie's about to be about, or they kind of spoiling things for me, so I'm leaving that alone. Either way, still can't wait for Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to hit the motherfucking theaters. Um, it was pushed back. I was going to talk about this in the headlines, but I guess I can cover it now. It's a brief little headline. It was pushed back to May. I don't know why. It was supposed to come out, I believe, this month, but or next month, whatever. They pushed it back to May. So instead of seeing it when we thought we was going to see it, it's coming out May 2022, which is not that far away. March is coming to a close and we got April and then May. So I'm in the theaters when that shit drop. <laughs> um, also in the previews, we got Nope by Jordan Peele. This is the latest um, horror slash uh, cultural satire from the brilliant mind of one Jordan Peele. Um, I don't really know what to say about the trailer because it ain't really giving me a whole lot, but that's what I like about it. It looked like it's some kind of like alien horror film, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not really sure. It's niggas in the desert. They like, oh, the first black horse trainer was a black dude or the first black horse rider or cowboy or something. Something's going on with the first black person on a horse <laughs> and these kids or these black this black family they own a ranch and they train the horses and then shit start happening but we don't see what's happening we just see their reaction to it and their expressions it looks dope <laughs> just off of that kiki palmer's in it daniel kalua is also in it so i'm like all right we got daniel we got motherfucking kiki uh we got jordan you know what I'm saying? Peel with his beautiful mind and things he's creating in the horror space for black people. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm ready. The trailer was just vague enough, you know what I'm saying, to give me enough to stay as far as what the story is concerned. But it also withheld enough information to pique my interest. If that makes sense, like I'm intrigued because I saw a bunch of reactions, but I don't know what the fuck they're reacting to. So <laughs> I'm excited to see. It. It's kind of like a quiet place. The first movie where like you saw, you know, the trees and the grass moving, but it was like, what the fuck is chasing them? And then somewhere towards the middle of the movie, you see is this big ass alien with a mouth shaped like a starfish or some shit. But all the while, the movie turned out to be dope. <laughs> That's what Nope is giving me by Jordan Peele. <laughs> Can't wait to see it. That shit look fire based on the trailer. And I'm just like, what is chasing my favorite niggas? I need to know. So I'm going to be at theaters watching Nope. <laughs> also, Miss Marvel, her trailer just dropped. It's going to be a Marvel Disney Plus, you know what I'm saying? Original, whatever, coming on the Disney Plus streaming app, which... I love one of my favorites. <laughs> um, it looks dope. It's supposed to be released when they said June 8th. So that is pretty much going to be a few weeks after we get Doctor Strange in theaters. So Marvel keeping us steadily entrenched in <laughs> the MCU for the foreseeable future. We have Moon Knight coming literally at the end of this month. Um, I'm thinking six to eight episodes on that. And then that'll push us right into 
the release of Doctor Strange and a Multiverse of Madness. That'll be the biggest movie in the world for at least, you know, two or three weeks. And then, boom, we have Miss Marvel, June 8th, 2022. It looks dope, like I said. I'm excited for it. I really wasn't at first because, um, <laughs> I don't know, Kamala Khan. I mean, she's a cool character or whatever, but obviously she's not marketed towards me and um her powers i don't know i don't really be caring for superheroes that be having a stretchy powers that's her mr fantastic whoever else be stretching their arms legs neck and all this other shit like i don't really care for those powers too much but like i said she's a dope um character nonetheless and it looks like based on the trailers they changed her powers like she got this I don't know, sparkly star looking shit now that kind of happens whenever she does her powers. Look like she gets some kind of bracelet that's imbued with some kind of mystic power. And that is what causes her to be able to utilize the powers that she has with the, you know, making her hands and stuff big and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm interested to see what the fuck that is. So I'm going to be definitely tuning in so I could like understand this. I kind of have a theory that whatever little bracelet or you know gauntlet or whatever the fuck it is that she strapped on her hand that kind of gave her these powers or whatever like somebody's gonna take that away but she's still gonna be left with the power of it and it's still gonna allow her to do her powers but in a more traditional sense without all the sparkly shit i don't know I don't know what Marvel has in mind. I've seen a bunch of fans online talking about, oh, that was smart of them to change their powers because the um, MCU is about to have Fantastic Four in it and it will look kind of weird if we had two characters with the same powers. But that shit don't make sense because these motherfuckers have the same kind of powers in the comic books and they exist just fine. So I'm assuming this little gauntlet thing is what is going to like kick off her powers and then once somebody takes it away from her or she realizes she doesn't need it or whatever, then she'll be able to tap into her powers naturally. That's just what I'm assuming. We'll see what the fuck happens though. I don't know anything about the plot of this story other than what I seen on the trailer and the trailer didn't really tell you what the fuck is going on. It just gives us a small synopsis of her origin story really. And then it just Miss Marvel coming on this day and time. So I don't know, but I'm interested in it. It's Marvel. They're not going to let me down. They haven't missed yet, in my opinion. So I'm rocking with it. But that is all we have for the previews. Um, I can't think of any other trailers that caught my attention or whatever. So let's go ahead and skate over to the headlines real quick. Get this out the way so we could talk about what the fuck I've been watching. <laughs> in the headlines, which don't have much, um, Crunchyroll and Funimation finally emerged. Now, if you remember... Uh, well, shit, you might not, but all the uh, anime lovers out there will remember that um, Crunchyroll was bought by or sold to PlayStation like a few months after PlayStation had bought Funimation or Funimation was already over there and they acquired Crunchyroll from AT&T and then they told us at some point we're going to put them together and just have one big ass anime library, the biggest one in the world. And they finally did it. <laughs> so with that, you know what I'm saying? It was announced back in July 
or August of 2021 that this was going to happen. Um, Funimation and Wakanem, Wakanem, Wakanem. I think that's the name of it. <laughs> it's the pretty much the Funimation uh, partner that has like all the rights to anime in areas like Norway and Sweden and Finland and Denmark and Netherlands. So a little subsidiary of Funimation, <laughs> but um, they merging into Crunchyroll. All the Funimation subscribers, you know, what I'm saying who had had accounts before the end of February, which is me, maybe you as well. Um, we get like a free 60 day premium Crunchyroll account. And then after that, they're going to start charging you. <laughs> but uh, in order to utilize this free 60 day premium of Crunchyroll, you have to cancel your Funimation subscription and then follow whatever magical link they're going to send to your email and sign up for Crunchyroll. Now, I know there's like a playstation verse xbox esque <laughs> um i don't know gang of individuals in the anime space some of y'all really ride for crunchyroll don't fuck with funimation because how much love funimation shows to dub anime some of us like myself that's why i said us uh we fuck with funimation because we love dub anime and we don't care that y'all judge us for not wanting to try to learn an entirely new language while we watching naruto whoop ass on screen like how could you judge us for that like of all the people in the world that you can hate who fucking put subtitles on english tv shows so they should just be able to listen to understand the words you're gonna hate on us for not wanting to watch this shit in a language we don't have any comprehension of shame on you but <laughs> it is what it is. I know there's a little beef or like a little rivalry or whatever the case might be, but you're gonna have to get over that shit. We merging together, we all coming as one. Funimation folks, this is kind of some bullshit for us though, because if you have a backlog of Funimation anime, you're not gonna be able to experience that on Crunchyroll. I mean, you'll be able to experience it, but what I'm saying is your watch list and all those animes that you had set aside that you are going to watch or that you slowly working your way through. I don't know, you might be on season 29 of One Piece, pushing your way to 40. I don't know how many episodes of One Piece there are, but you get what I'm saying. You might be in the middle of a long ass anime and that shit is not going to transfer over to Crunchyroll. You're going to have to remember what episode that you left off of on Funimation and start there on Crunchyroll. Redo your whole list of backlog anime and kind of start from scratch with the 60 day premium of Crunchyroll. Now, Funimation did come out and say they're working on, you know, something that will allow us as Funimation users to take our watch list and our, you know, stuff from Funimation over to Crunchyroll. But the odds of that being done before <laughs> they stop giving away these 60 day um, free trials or whatever is like slim to none. Like if that shit is not ready now and they already are merging the two platforms and pushing people over, then you might as well just sign up for your uh, free premium account 
and just rebuild your watch list. Some of that shit you probably never going to get to anyway. So just pick the ones that you know you really, really have interest in watching and start anew because that's a lot of writing down and screenshotting and all the kind of shit that you would have to do just to remember what it is you put that you want to watch on your Funimation account. So just start anew. Moving along from that, though. Um, the Halo series, right? I talked about that before on the watch list. I'm excited for it. Can't wait for it to uh, finally drop. It's going to be my very first Paramount Plus <laughs> series. So shout out to Paramount Plus for getting the nigga to sign up because I want to watch this fucking Halo show. Um, what's interesting about it or why it made the headlines for this particular episode of the watch list 343 industry studios which is the people who are doing the halo series they have decided and announced recently that they are going to show master chief's face in this new halo series you know in an attempt to you know kind of differentiate the game story from the story that they want to build out in the series and you know kind of connect the fans to master chief on a more human level that is what they said right now the reason this made headlines is because i know i was speaking to my dog webster style and he was very very excited about the fact that they weren't showing master chief's face we didn't see master chief even reach for his helmet in the trailer even though at some point blood was coming from it clearly he had got his ass whooped and his injury on his head and he didn't even want to take the helmet off to get that shit checked out. But um, that kind of led everybody to believe that they were not going to be showcasing Master Chief's face. and going to keep him anonymous and let us rock out the way that the Halo series, you know, has been. Now, I'm not like a big Halo fan, so, you know, I didn't understand that, you know, but I do understand getting a accurate depiction of something especially when they're going from this kind of stuff with games to tv series sometimes it should be wrong just like when they do these flop ass reboots but being that i've only wanted to play a halo game never gotten a chance to actually own one and play it full out myself because never owned an xbox just played on other people's <laughs> i'm not necessarily mad about this but webster if you're listening Let's talk about it next time we get a chance to talk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to hear this DM me or something like that. Because I'm interested to know how you guys feel about it. As somebody in my life that I feel like represents the fandom of Halo. How y'all feel about 343 Industries deciding that for their iteration of Halo, they are going to show Master Chief's face. And we are going to know what this individual looks like. And just give me your opinion on how you feel like that's going to shake up the actual storyline, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there is some kind of um, thing in the storyline where Master Chief's amenity adds to his character value in some way. Like, I think because people don't know who he is, like as a real person or whatever, he's able to do shit that, you know, a regular nigga who known by the government wouldn't. I don't know. Explain it to me because this would be my first like actual encounter with the Halo um, storyline. And I'm still excited. Paramount Plus already renewed the shit for a season two. So <laughs> I'm going to be watching this. I don't need y'all as Halo fans. Webster, 
whoever the fuck else is listening that fuck with Halo, tell me if they getting this shit too wrong or tell me if they just making a change to it that you're not necessarily upset about, but you wish would have stayed more true to the game. Like, just give me your opinions on it because let's talk about it. <laughs> Speaking of renewal, though, shout out to Abbott Elementary. They just got renewed by ABC, Hulu, Disney <laughs> for a second season, which is dope. We are like, I don't know what, four episodes, maybe three, three or four episodes away from the season finale of season one. And we already got the green light for season two. So that's dope. Shout out to Quinta Bronson and everybody a part of the Abbott Elementary team. I love the show, love what it's doing for the culture. Um, I'm actually talk about it later in the episode when I get into another segment. So I'm going to just leave it right there. Flowers all around, though, because y'all deserve um, the last headline. Daredevil, the reboot has reportedly begun production for Disney Plus. And with that, we can all rejoice. <laughs> um, I feel like they timed this perfectly because if you are not aware, um, Daredevil, what Iron Fist, um, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, that whole Defender series that was on Netflix or whatever, they took it off Netflix and it is now on Disney+. Plus. There was a big commotion caused this week. The parents was not happening. Like, oh, they putting all this tv ma stuff on disney plus is part of be for the kids and all that it's never been for the kids miss it's never been for the kids never <laughs> like of course they have kids stuff on there but disney plus also has discovery channel they also got espn content on this motherfucker they got they got plenty of other shit lucas films all his star wars stuff that undoubtedly has TVMA elements and they got all this other shit on there plenty of Marvel content old and new that um, has some very adult um, suggested themes and all that kind of stuff <laughs> like why y'all piping up now why y'all wait till now why do y'all wait till some of the best Marvel content that's ever been created comes to the streaming platform to want to try to police what the fuck can go on the app like just chill and be a parent parent your kids it's not as hard as y'all make it out to be. Like, I don't have kids, so imagine me speaking about parenting. But it is what the fuck it is. I used to be a kid. They give you enough shit in these apps and all of this stuff to control what your kids are watching. Well, I signed in to Disney Plus yesterday to watch the latest episode of The Proud Family. They was like, hey, we put some more shit on here that's a little graphic. Do you want that to be a part of your catalog or do you want the kid catalog? I told them niggas, I'm an adult. Put me on the adult catalog. They did it. They was like, you know what? You might be a kid trying to play as a parent. Put in the password. Let's see if you really who you say you is. I put my password in so motherfucking fast because I'm me. And it's not no kid trying to get access to the adult shit. I'm me. So I put in my password and it was like, one more thing. Verify this real quick just so we on the same page you're allowing this to happen on your account right it's like yeah i did the verification it was over with so i'm like what the fuck is the parents complaining about they put all these precautions in here this is recent now this wasn't like this when i first opened up disney plus they put all these precautions in here to make sure that 
whatever you don't want your kid to see, they don't got to see it. They separated it. Oh, this is kid shit. This is normally what kids watch. And this is what they shouldn't be watching. They separated it. What are we still arguing about? I don't know. It was a part of the headlines, though, so I figured I'd mention it since, again, props to, to Daredevil reboot, uh, reportedly beginning production for Disney Plus. Can't wait to see it. I actually need to finish um, the original Daredevil from Netflix. So I will be abreast because I never got around to finishing that. But it is what it is. Maybe on another um time where i'm like binging a whole bunch of shit i'll get around to doing it because i have been picking up some older stuff that i'm not going to talk about this episode for the sake of time and just because i don't really care to talk about like that but that's it (laughs) for the headlines let's move over to a new section or a new category within the podcast simply titled reviews this section of the episode i'm just going to be giving y'all some quick short reviews on some shit that I have recently watched that I got started with and over with in between recordings of the watch list, starting with Fat Tuesday, Fat spelled P-H-A-T on um, Amazon Prime. Now, this shit was dope. It's a documentary, three parts. Each part is about an hour long. Um, the documentary features some of the most legendary and amazing comedians to ever do this shit. At least the ones that are still alive. Everybody from like Dave Chappelle to Kevin Hart, Guy and Joe Torrey. Um, most of the story um, focuses around Guy Torrey and what he did with his uh, Fat Tuesday comedy night at the legendary The Comedy Store at L.A. It's a really, really dope um, documentary. It takes you through this period that they dubbed the era of hip hop comedy, which is so fitting because comedy or black comedy, I should say, is a large part of the hip hop community. I don't know if we necessarily equate it to um, certain aspects of hip hop that we should equate it to, like, you know, rap and DJing and graffiti and shit like that and literature and all that kind of shit and film. But comedians, especially black ones that do comedy geared towards a hip hop audience or whatever, like that shit is pretty big. Like we wouldn't be where we are with hip hop. I'm dare to say if it was not for a lot of these comedians coming in the way that they did and Fat Tuesday on Amazon, it pretty much chronicles all of that. They take us through this journey of not only the origin story of a lot of these comedians that you're going to see speaking on this legendary moment in, you know, hip hop comedy time. But they take us through that entire era and what happened and how the L.A. riot changed things for black comedy in L.A. Once the white people started being afraid to come to black neighborhoods because of the way media had painted us in that time period, like. It's a really, really, really dope and interesting um, documentary. Like I said, full of all the comedians from back in the day. If you're a 90s baby, if you're an 80s baby, 
Like, even shit, if you were 2000s, baby, you know who the fuck, you know what I'm saying, I'm talking about. Steve Harvey, Cedric Entertainer, I said Dave Chappelle, I said Kevin Hart, got Tori, Joe Tori, said them, even got some of the women, some more. I think she made a, a, a cameo, and Lunell had some great moments on there. Like, they really just took the whole comedy scene. I think Chris Tucker even made an appearance, and Chris Rock, like, they had all the niggas <laughs> like every black comedian that you could possibly think of tiffany haddish made an appearance on there she has some funny moments along with snoop dogg you know what i'm saying pretty much talking about the um aspects of how you know like i said these comedians were a large part of hip-hop or are a large part of hip-hop this style of comedy is hip-hop comedy he was represented for hip-hop and shit like that Lil Rail had his appearance on there. Anthony Anderson, Regina King came on there to kind of talk about how this era of hip hop comedy really launched the um, renaissance that happened within the black film industry. When all of these comedians started getting their own movies and roles on TV shows and shit like that, like. This is really, really dope, like, historical documentary. And I really want everybody to see it. If you black, you need to be watching this shit. This shit is fire. A lot of your favorite comedians on here, you know what I'm saying? We even have some of the younger generation from, you know, the Instagrams and stuff pop on here. DC Youngfly made an appearance. Like, D-Ray Davis, who's managed to transcend, like, all of these eras. <laughs> like, so many, like, dope dope comedians they even get into what happened with guy and joe Torre. you know if you of a particular age i would say i don't know 25 and up maybe <laughs> then you remember or you have some kind of inclination as to what i'm talking about when it comes to guy and joe Torre, the two you know comedian brothers or whatever who had this historic beef within the hip-hop comedy community and it <laughs> it was very talked about a lot of shit was going on with that but either way they finally explained what was going on with that they even had a little reconciliation they gave some backstory as to what they was going through in that time period was happening or whatever like very, very dope interview. Avion Crockett stepped in, you know what I'm saying, to give his two things. Even we had transgender comedian Flame Monroe come on there and talk about how comedy is shifting in different areas of human society, like the LGBTQ community and stuff like that. Like, the entire documentary tends across the board for me. And that's just, you know off the strength of black <laughs> and i remember all this time i remember all of you know saying deaf comedy jam when that started and comic view they cover all of that shit in this documentary and like what led to it and the stars that came off of it and how they transitioned into other parts of comedy and film and then the entertainment industry like very 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 powerful uh documentary very dope I implore you all to check it out if you are black 
like comedy and remember any of those names I just read or are familiar with those comedians anyway. Aerie Spears, you might know him. Joy Coy came on there to represent, you know what I'm saying? Because he's a person of color, I would say. I don't know, but <laughs> it was dope seeing him pay his respects and talk about, you know what I'm saying, all the stuff that was going on in that time period that he was actually a part of or that he witnessed or whatever. J.B. Smooth <laughs> made an appearance. Tommy Davidson. I think I said Cedric and Steve Harvey already. But, yeah, Cedric Entertainer, Steve Harvey, like, Donnell Rollins was on there. Everybody you could think of, Cat Williams, everybody that you could think of, got Tory, got these people to sit down, not send in videos like he got them to sit down on a produced background with a motherfucking high quality camera. And he interviewed them about their impact on comedy and everything about comedy as a whole during that time period everything that was going on in LA, how that changed their lives, gave their props to God Tory for doing what he did in order to keep the shit alive. Like beautiful documentary. I laughed a whole lot because these niggas are comedians. So of course they was cracking jokes. <laughs> they even got to a point in the documentary where they broke down that the baby kids movie came from a joke that a legendary comedian did in that time period that kind of started this whole wave like literally the godfather of hip-hop comedy in my opinion that's what i'm calling this man his name is robin harris um you might know of him you might not i didn't like i learned that from this documentary even though i seen baby's kids as a kid countless amount of times that was one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up i had no idea that this entire cartoon movie that i was so just a fan of was a visual representation of robin harris's like most famous joke and it was paying tribute to him and honoring him for everything that he did in comedy to kind of open the doors for black comedians it was so dope i, I just just watch it I, I feel like i'm talking too much about it now <laughs> just uh thinking about everything i saw in that fucking documentary and how much i enjoyed you know what i'm saying sitting around vibing and laughing to this shit <laughs> like it was a good time check that out that's fat tuesdays on amazon prime Next review, Kanye's genius documentary over on Netflix. Now, this one was also fantastic. I enjoyed it. Or should I say I enjoyed the first two episodes. The third one was more like kind of reminding us of where Kanye is today and all of the stuff that he said in the past that kind of <laughs> have had black people looking at him sideways for a long time at this point uh, but it was necessary for it to be there because it definitely showed me that Kanye has always been this Kanye maybe he's gotten a little bit more radical with it a little bit more bold with it a little bit more outspoken and unapologetic about the way he's expressing himself but what I learned most from this documentary is that's the same nigga <laughs> That's always been the Kanye. I do feel like his mom passing away um, really unleashed something in him that 
like kind of pushed him to be that person I just described. So unapologetic about the way he expresses himself and the things that he says and being so strong and bold and rational with his ideologies and the way he comes across in media. I do feel like his mom not being around, to you know, kind of keep him centered and grounded and balanced or whatever has kind of fucked with him a lot and caused us to have the kind that we have today. But at the core, that's that same nigga, bro. <laughs> like, Kanye ain't really changed much. Like I said, he just he just gotten to be bigger. But I really enjoyed the documentary. Like it was really, really good. I did not know a lot of the stuff that was going on with Kanye. Not necessarily in a bad way when I say going on. I'm just saying like I didn't know about Channel Zero and all of that stuff. His rise to fame within Chicago and stuff like that. I didn't know about all of that. I caught wind of Kanye right around the time he was releasing his first project. Like I remember seeing the through the wire video on 106 and park as the new joiner today. Like I remember all of this shit happening in the beginning, but especially episode one, it had some amazing footage from all of that stuff. Shout out to Cootie and Chike for telling this amazing story and making sure all of this shit flowed beautifully and perfectly and capturing all that wonderful footage from pre-college dropout Kanye or late registration, whichever the first college dropout was the first one, duh. <laughs> but uh, pre all of that, that shit was phenomenal just seeing a young Kanye on his grind hungry and stuff. It was wild as fuck watching him in episode two and at the end of episode one, walk around the Rockefeller um, office <laughs> playing songs like fucking Through the Wire and All Falls Down and Jesus Walks for these people. And they just, okay, this annoying. Can you get out of the way so it can continue to work? Like, this is All Falls Down that Kanye is spitting in these people's face for production, the song, the is done he ready to take that shit straight to the radio take that shit straight to motherfucking cd and y'all paying that shit does that shit was wild to me but i understand what was happening because you watch the documentary you know like them people was working and dame and jay was not necessarily taking kanye serious as an artist they was well, at least Dame was. I can't necessarily say Jay because he didn't really have like a whole lot of say as far as Kanye is concerned. He just kind of gave him an opportunity when Kanye asked for one. But um, yeah, Dame was like, nah, you know, we'll indulge this nigga as a quote unquote rapper that he want to be or whatever. As long as he keep lacing us with fire beats, we straight. And, you know, eventually he convinced them niggas otherwise 10 20 years down the line we have donda donda to kanye fighting kim kardashian and pete davidson on the internet daily over divorce and differences and parenting style but that's neither here nor there that's their business kanye is being a little wild like this is crazy to watch kanye west um borderline stalk kim kardashian and harass her <laughs> over the fact that she would p davidson now as if they can't break up tomorrow and never speak again like i don't know it's weird seeing kanye in this space i don't like it i don't like what he's doing to kim i don't like what he's doing to pete again celebrity drama is none of my business but it's weird 
the documentary was fire though. Like I said, the last episode was a little bit more um I don't know, something about it. I felt like, you know, Cootie and Chike in episode three, they was like, Okay, this is the part of Kanye's life that we don't feel comfortable documenting because it's not not the Kanye that we used to or that or the Kanye that we know, or this Kanye is um, going through some things that we don't feel comfortable showing because he's our actual friend. But, um, yeah, the last episode of it, episode three was like a real patchwork of just where we are with Kanye today and the things that led him to be ostracized for lack of better words from communities. He thought will always hold him down for the things that he has said and done, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to, I don't know, them adding a fourth episode. Maybe there's going to be more into the documentary or whatever. I don't know. But it was good. Nonetheless, um, definitely recommend, especially if you're a hip-hop fan. There was a lot of cameos in there. We saw Beyonce in there. Like a young Beyonce from like Destiny's Child Days. <laughs> or like fresh out of Destiny's Child Days. And Jay-Z, we saw like common and just a bunch of like young hip-hop most deaf there's a dope conversation between him and pharrell that i feel like had a very big impact on him like just a lot of hip-hop going on and that um genius documentary it's not bad at all it's very good just um episode one and two those are the ones that had me locked in and three i was like damn we are at this point in kanye's life now huh Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I'm fucking with it. Still a fire documentary to me. Moving on, um, I started <laughs> I started watching this show called Murderville on Netflix. Hilarious. It's funny as fuck. Um, I don't necessarily know how to describe it because it's I'm thinking game show in my head, but it's not a game show. Like it's a <laughs> I don't know. It's a comedy and each episode they bring on a new celebrity and the celebrity is supposed to be a part of this murder investigation that this entire crew of people is acting out and pretending like it's real and they're they being serious or whatever but it's not scripted but <laughs> the celebrity that they bring on does not have a script so their reactions and everything that they have to figure out is all improv It's all something that they have to pay attention to the actual storyline happening around them to figure out who the killer is. And, um, <laughs> it's really dope. <laughs> um, I haven't finished it yet, but I just decided to put it in the review section because like there's no consistent storyline other than, the couple at the beginning that's been getting a divorce <laughs> since the first episode that just hasn't done it yet. The chief of police and the lead detective in that in the little precinct they work out or whatever. But <laughs> other than that, um, it's not a linear story. Like each episode has a different murder that those celebrities that come on has to solve. Um, my favorite episodes so far, though, have been the Conan Bryant episode and the Marshawn Lynch episode <laughs> because that nigga is funny. Marshawn Lynch is a funny guy. 
Um, but yeah, those two have been my favorite. If you're just looking for something to like laugh at um, and just chill or whatever, throw on Murderville. I'm pretty sure you'll get a kick out of it, especially if you're one of those people that pay attention to like nuance and catch all of the small jokes and catch when the characters are breaking character and just fucking laughing in the goddamn camera. Like they keep all of that in. <laughs> if a character breaks character or a character breaks character, if an actor or actress breaks character, whatever, and laughs on screen, they keep that in. It's supposed to be a goofy show, not a serious one, but it's very, very funny. Um, If you are somebody that rolls up, roll up, you know what I'm saying? And, and just <laughs> vibe and watch your show. If you drink, you know what I'm saying? Pull up. And just vibe and watch the show. Like it's very, very um <laughs> entertaining to say the least. It's a funny ass fucking show. I would say kind of like like a Reno 911, like meets Jackass a little bit, like a splash of impractical jokers. Yeah. It's it's like a little <laughs> mixing pot of all of that wrapped up in a who done it murder mystery kind of like <laughs> clue yeah that's that's what i got but <laughs> funny as fuck um netflix like i said murderville is the title check that out if you're just looking for something to laugh at real quick also something hilarious that i have <laughs> got into recently or not got into so space force right steve carell and the creators of The Office, they came together for Netflix to make another show or a new show that is not The Office, but kind of a little similar. <laughs> Either way, it's funny as fuck. Season one was funny. So season two came out. I watched maybe the first two episodes of season two and like was hooked. I binged it in like three days. <laughs> funny, funny fucking show. Steve Carell is hilarious. The cast is dope. Um, not all of them are like funny types. Like this is not The Office, but it's similar, right? So Steve Carell's character, he's some kind of um, high-ranking personnel in the military or whatever. But like he's the person that everybody takes as a joke. So <laughs> something happens in his department or whatever, and they send him to run this not imaginary, but like this, like throwaway sector of the military called the Space Force, where they pretty much send people to just <laughs> grow old and retire from or whatever. So he goes there, you know, with his Steve Carell comedy <laughs> and just becomes the captain of this shit and makes it important. The military keep trying to find a way to <laughs> get rid of the Space Force, but Every time something pop up, you know, what I'm saying Steve and his team, they figure out a way to solve it for the country. And they're like, OK, well, you niggas took care of that. So I ain't going to shut you down just now. But you on our list. Goddamn. <laughs> it's a scripted series like none of this shit is real. It's all, you know, what I'm saying actors, and actresses or whatever. But it's a funny ass fucking story. And I don't know. I feel like. I'm talking to people who have not seen it. So just for the sake of me being like a real nigga, whatever, I ain't going to spoil it for you with the um, <laughs> cliffhanger that they left us with at the end of season two. But watch the goddamn show. It's funny as fuck. If you like Steve Carell, if you like The Office, 
you'll probably enjoy it. Maybe not as much as The Office, but it's enough to get you laughing. <laughs> and um, it's very nice seeing Steve Carell back on screen being this goofy, funny human being that I never knew of into The Office. <laughs> I can see how that might be disrespectful. And if Steve, you ever come across this, <laughs> I don't mean it to be. I'm just, you know, being honest. <laughs> but you're one of my favorite, like, white comedian actors or whatever. <laughs> like, I like Steve Carell, the man funny. So appreciate you for all your work, sir. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I also checked out Tyler Perry's latest. <laughs> yes, I said. <laughs> I watched a Tyler Perry production. This one, Medea's Homecoming. <laughs> now, before we get into this, I knew what to expect because I'm a nigga, right? So, <laughs> being that I'm a nigga, I have grown accustomed to Tyler Perry and his brand of black entertainment. I've seen numerous Medea plays, movies, um, the Tyler Perry movies that don't have Medea in them at all. Meet the Browns, like all of Tyler Perry's little TP universe. <laughs> like I'm abreast. It just is what it is. Um, I know that the writing for a lot of that material that I just named is not the best <laughs> and we've been calling for Tyler Perry to allow some writers to join him in the writing room so that he can make some better decisions however at the same time I completely understand Tyler Perry and what he is doing as far as not necessarily giving a fuck about making sure that he's delivering like super amazing storylines <laughs> like he just making something for us to laugh at and enjoy and just hang around our family and just kind of watch and chill too nothing about at least any of the Medea or meet the browns type of tyler perry universe shit is to be taken seriously at least not in my opinion because when it did come time for like some take it serious type of shit we got Daddy's Little Girls with Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union. And we also got stuff like <laughs> Why Did I Get Married? Which I guess is not necessarily the best example. But you get what I'm trying to say. When he try to be serious, the movies be like halfway decent. The rest of this shit, the Medeas and the Browns, is goofy. It's supposed to make us laugh. It's supposed to make us you know, commune with our fellow blacks who understand this type of churchy comedy and just enjoy it for what it is and not scrutinize it. However, the plot was still bad, <laughs> but it's okay because I expected that and I was ready for it. Like I literally, you know what I'm saying? Rolled up and just sat back and was like this shit finna be funny as fuck the trailer was funny there was a scene in the trailer where you get to see a young Medea <laughs> and it's it's in black and white like she on fucking I love Lucy or something like the trailer was funny so I was like okay I'm gonna laugh at this I ain't taking none of it serious 
And I was right not to take any of it serious because it was the same kind of Medea movie that we used to, but just, you know, with some updated jokes and some few extra little surprise moments that <laughs> we kind of wasn't expecting to see. Like the black and white thing, like I said, that was him um, putting visuals to that Rosa Park skit that get off the bus Rosa you know what I'm talking about niggas that get off the bus Rosa comedy uh bit that he always puts in you know every other Medea play like he finally put visuals to it we get to see <laughs> we get to see Medea rolling up on Rosa Parks and shit like that shit was stupid but it was fucking funny to me like i don't know I, I was having a good time he did a beachella parody at the end which was fucking hilarious <laughs> because if you seen if you seen homecoming you know beyonce's homecoming on um netflix then you understand there's cut scenes in her um her Coachella performance was she like showing us the BTS of how she's making all this shit happen and Tyler <laughs> he took some of those points so Beyonce was being serious but hilarious at the same time it just made it pure comedy that shit was funny um the transition effects though it was a little cheesy made me feel like I was watching a 2007 Disney Channel original movie but like I said <laughs> we're not supposed to be taking none of this stuff serious at least that's how i view tyler now if he come on here talking about no my shit meant to uplift the world or whatever i'm gonna tell him you on something very very strong my god because that's not what this is doing so i'm gonna go ahead and continue to just <laughs> believe that Medea is here purely for comedy purely to make me lol in the loudest of out loud ways but very funny uh, like i said i enjoyed it there was of course plot holes and i was like man what the fuck because they said this and now it's talking like this but i don't really care because my idea is not like i'm supposed to be analyzing this shit super hard but i don't know it was tyler perry bro like Medea's homecoming that's what the fuck the name of the movie was and it had nothing to do with Medea coming home from nowhere she was at the house the whole time <laughs> only thing <laughs> i think the only reason that it was titled Medea's homecoming is purely for that beachella moment at the end because beyonce named her shit homecoming but it made sense for beyonce to do that because beachella was her first time performing on stage in front of a large audience since having the twins so that really was like her homecoming. It was her first performance since giving birth. This is, I guess, the first movie, <laughs> the first Medea movie that um, Tyler Perry gave to Netflix after deciding he wanted to retire Medea. I don't know why he decided to name it homecoming, but this shit, I laughed. That's that's pretty much it. I ain't got nothing nice you'd like to say about the story <laughs> he has some actors and actresses in there that i fuck with we got to see the regular cast along with some new faces or whatever they was cool they was doing you know they acting thing or whatever that was fine but plot was weird um Medea made me laugh joe made me laugh um brown made me laugh cora made me laugh like it was funny that's it moving along <laughs> This time, <laughs> I'm going to step into the anime corner. Um, hmm, 
I might title it that. But I got into a brand new, well, not a brand new, but I got into an anime that I had always been wanting to watch, Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, very action-packed. If you're a blurred out here and you're anime blurred, you watch anime, you know what the fuck Jujutsu Kaisen is all about. Um, kid, you know, extraordinarily gifted for some reason. Um, finds out he's this vessel for some um, all-powerful ancient demon or whatever. And now he's on a quest to find all the pieces of this demon so that he can swallow them, um, revive the demon, and then kill it. That's pretty much the gist of the story. There's some other stuff that happens in between, but just for the sake of time and the fact that this is only the first season, season two has not dropped yet. I'm going to just leave it right there. If you're into anime, I highly recommend. Very, very action-packed. Um, the animation is amazing. Um, I like the differences in the characters as opposed to how these type of action shown in anime usually go it's pretty dope i'm excited for season two to drop and when it finally does i'll be sure to cover it here on the talking play blurry cast now on to the review that i've been waiting to review for y'all <laughs> euphoria goddamn y'all the fuck time it is <laughs> it's euphoria um if you well y'all should know niggas been talking about euphoria like euphoria has been a very large topic of conversation since people realized it was on TV. Um, they talking about it is the second most watched show in HBO history right behind Game of Thrones, which is fucking huge because this is only season two of euphoria. Game of Thrones has six seasons. So the fact that at season two, we already had second most watched show. Only big things to come for Zendaya and the rest of the cast of Euphoria because they done an amazing job. Like this fucking show is pretty fucking good. They had me hooked every Sunday. I was tuned in. I'm like, okay, the shit come on at 10. I need to make sure I'm showered, got my motherfucking food. I'm rolled up. I need to make sure I'm straight by 9:45 so that at 10 o'clock when the episode goes live on hbo max i'm pressing play i'm pushing p <laughs> i'm pushing p and we watching the motherfucking episode i was locked in euphoria is great um let's recap how our characters ended off we had rue she's clean you know what i'm saying she watched um lexi's amazing play and she had a moment of clarity you know what I'm saying? She thanked motherfucking Lexi for putting that shit in her face for her to see and kind of deal with. I think Rue's going to be on a good path in season three. If you remember, right, season one, we ended with um, Rue relapsing because of, you know, the situation that happened with her and Jules at the train station. Well, at the end of season two, we end up with Rue telling Jules I love you, but we can't fuck around no more. Kick rocks. You bad for me. Can't do this no more. And um, she's staying clean. She's getting back friends with Lexi. They used to be best friends before Rue, you know, spiraled out of control with her drug addiction and her depression over her dad's death and um, got into things with Jules, you know. So that was dope. Nice little, I guess, full circle moment. They lost their friendship and then they found it back. So 
cool with that. Happy that Rue shut the door <laughs> on motherfucking Jules and absolutely hit her with that forehead kiss and literally she didn't even speak. She just sat there and listened to everything Jules had to say. I miss you and I'm glad you're doing better and stuff like that. And I hope you can forgive me for snitching on you to your mom and it was for your own good and we did good by doing that. I love you. You know, can we talk? Man, motherfucking Rue forehead kissed Jules ass and was out the door. Didn't even speak. <laughs> and I fuck with that because Jules deserve it at this point. I used to fuck with Jules, but, you know, she's made some questionable decisions herself. Season two has really, really opened my eyes to that. And now I won't know. Uh, getting along to Elliot, though, because remember, Jules smashed Elliot or her and Elliot fucked or whatever. I don't know if Rue knows that, but it don't matter now because Rue said fuck that. We're not going back to Jules. Do I feel like that's a lie? Yes, because I used to be a teenager once myself. You know, you tell yourself, I'm over these feelings. I'm not fucking with this person no more. I'm done. And then you go back because <laughs> teenage feelings are a thing and they're not easy to just work out and let go of. Here's what it is. Uh, but Elliot... His song was way too long, but it's cool. Like I don't know why we had to sit through all of that. Like they could have just hit us with the go to iTunes after, or you know what I'm saying, Apple Music, go to Spotify after the episode to hear this full song. They let him play that full song, and then he got the nerve at the end to be like, "Oh, but I'm still working on it." Like nigga, that shit had three verses, a bridge, several hooks. Like you done, sir? <laughs> we heard the whole song, but. No, it's cool. I'm glad he got around to apologizing to Rue for being a part of Jules's, you know, less exposed Rue to her mom situation. But like I said, Elliot and Jules have had sex. Um, to my knowledge, Jules was Rue's girlfriend and her and Elliot or when I say her, I mean Rue and Elliot were starting to build their own kind of friendship that was headed towards romance. But then Jules came into the picture because Rue was like, I don't want you to be self-conscious around this new guy that I'm hanging out with. It's not necessarily that I like him or whatever. We just do drugs, but we're not going to tell you about it. But you can come hang around us, too, because I want you to see, like, if it's him or you, I'm going to pick you. And then Jules and Elliot ended up falling for each other. It was a very polyamorous triangle, except for <laughs> Rue wasn't all the way abreast of the situation. Jules called her out on having feelings or having a crush on Elliot, and she didn't deny it. Um, Elliot was upfront with Jules about having a crush on Rue. And, you know, then Jules and Elliot, they made their shit for each other known. Like, it was a very triangle situation there. But that's neither here nor there because that shit is dead in the water. <laughs> uh, Rue said, it's a wrap. I guess she's going to stay cool with Elliot, even though he kind of acts like, you think that's a good idea being that, you know, I still do drugs and you, like, trying to stay clean. So we'll see. I really, really hope that Rue is not replacing Jules 
with Elliot because that ain't gonna do nothing but lead to more anger and heartbreak when she inevitably finds out that <laughs> Elliot and fucking Jules had sex. And then I'm pretty sure that's not the best for her sobriety. Because Elliot, he's not junkie status, but he definitely be like, all right, this is my chill time. Let me let me pop a Zan. Let me snort this real quick. Let me sip on that. And I'm finna chill. He's very that type. So I don't know. But, you know, they made peace, I guess. So that's what's up. Um, Cassie went on that stage and showed the fuck out. That shit was amazing to see. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking amazing. That actress, she did an amazing job. All of them did. But Cassie went on stage. She showed her ass. That shit was phenomenal. So glad that she stood up to fucking Lexi and called out the hypocrisy and the fact that she able to write this fucking play about them and do all this judging or whatever, knowing that she's not an angel herself. Like, good for Cassie. For standing up for herself in the face of being dumped by Nate, which Maddie so kindly pointed out at the end of the episode, this is only the beginning. It's going to keep stringing you along and breaking up with you and taking you back and breaking up with you. So just be prepared. That's what you stole from me because that's what happened. <laughs> um, Nate wasn't in the season finale, you know. We had some discussion about him, but he wasn't there because he ran out like a little bitch. He couldn't handle what was happening on stage, what was supposed to be him. You know what I'm saying? We know Nate got, um, I don't want to say he battling demons because I don't feel like, you know, sexuality, any part of it is demonic. Uh, but he's dealing with the fact that he is unclear with himself about what his sexuality is. Like he know he like girls. That's clear. But like the other stuff that's going on, he don't know. So I guess he couldn't handle the smoke. It was okay. <laughs> I guess that's what Lexi intended. So Nate didn't show up in the season finale, but he was, that was a bitch move. Like he was fucked up for doing that. All that stomping out and causing that fucking scene making Cassie run after him like a sick puppy and then breaking up with her, leaving her looking like she just came out of a fucking horror film, staring in the glass window, breathing on it and shit. Like, oh no, Nate is, he a piece of work. What he did to Maddie in episode nine or seven to get the uh, tape of his dad and and uh, Jules together, like, that was some wild shit. Now, like, that's a different level. That whole... Oh, I'm going to pretend like it's a loaded gun, but it's not really like y'all seen it. That shit was wild. Moving along. <laughs> um, Maddie, speaking of Maddie, I'm so glad she finally put hands on Cassie like in a real way. Um, at first, I was like, this ain't enough. She went up there. She had bitch slapped her real quick. You know, she hit it with the heavy hand. That was a closed hand slap, too. Like all power. No, no. I'm going to leave some space in between to disperse the kinetic energy that's going to come off my hand when I tap your face, you know, cut through the wind real quick. Like she palmed that fucking hand, smack five, <laughs> smack five from Casey and left her shook and on the floor or whatever. But that wasn't enough for me. All the chasing around and the running around he was doing on stage because I didn't know Cassie had um, feet like that. She was 
you know what I'm saying, shaking and moving on Matty ass, like getting around them props on the stage real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like she was definitely making sure Maddie didn't catch her. But when she did, hands got put to face. She ran off again after she got off the floor. Maddie caught her again. She pushed her and <laughs> she pushed her into a fucking wall and made Cassie bump her goddamn head on the brick school walls that you normally find in school. That's the first time we've seen that side of the school. They don't really be in school like that on this show for it to be a show about high school kids. They don't really be in school like that. But we got to see <laughs> another hallway in the school by way of Cassie's forehead. And that was great. <laughs> I feel like she deserved it. She been trying my dog Maddie with this bullshit. Like we get it. Maddie and Nate were not together when y'all started fucking around. But the thing is, they are known as a couple that does the on and off shit. So if you didn't want to be considered the person that stole Nate from Maddie, then you should have made sure Maddie and Nate was never going to get back together. That's why he was looking crazy in the motherfucking jacuzzi at whoever house that was when they was trying to, you know what I'm saying, work their relationship out in front of everybody. Nobody said that they was not going to get back together. You should have known that. That's your best friend, ain't it? Maddie is your best friend. You know their relationship is toxic as fuck. They keep breaking up and getting back together. Your ass should have known they was probably going to get back together again and just not fuck Nate. None of this shit would be happening. But you did what you did. Nobody cares that they was on a break because we all know Maddie and Nate as Maddie and Nate. That's why people looking at you crazy because everybody know them two motherfuckers make up and break up all the time. So you slide your ass in between on a random breakup that don't that don't justify nothing like that doesn't make it doesn't make it okay that you are now dating your best friend's ex or your ex best friend at this point because Maddie ain't fucking with you and rightfully so. <laughs> but um shout out to Bobby, the black girl that was like the stage manager or a producer or whatever, the one that was running around with Lexi, making sure everything was running without a hitch, like you the real MVP. And you funny as fuck with your <laughs> with your little baby voice. <laughs> I don't know, she had this like little voice or whatever that when she said things when she did deliver her one-liners it made that shit hilarious <laughs> like i was really enjoying bobby i need to see more of her story next season because if you haven't noticed season two mckay is the only black boy on the fucking show he got a few minutes in the first episode and we didn't see him at all in any of season two even though his quote-unquote best friend nate is now fucking his ex who is cassie <laughs> like i figured at some point you know what i'm saying motherfucking mckay would come back in the scene one more time trying to plead to get cassie back and she would finally tell him or nate would finally tell him like hey we fucking now so she's not gonna go back with you you might as well let that go we see him react to it something no this whole triangle of bullshit between Nate, Cassie, and Maddie is happening. McKay is included, but he's not because they didn't put him in this season, even though 
that whole love triangle. He's the other character in the show that's most connected to it because his best friend and his ex are now fucking like, oh, no, I ain't really appreciate that. I thought McKay's story was dope. We needed that, especially black men, because he was telling a story that a lot of us can relate to about, you know, your parents kind of putting pressures on you when they see you excelling in a way that could give them the opportunity to live vicariously through you. I feel like we needed that story to go ahead and continue to be told because that's a lot of black boys like, oh, my son is talented in football. So I'm going to say prioritize athleticism over everything else in your life so you can make it to the NFL and I could live out my dreams of being a rich and famous nigga tied to the National Football League. Like, we should have got that story. And I don't know, they just kind of left it up in the air with season two. We'll see if he make a return in season three. But the reason that I am, you know what I'm saying, conflating him and Bobby is because Bobby is a dark-skinned black girl. And we did not really have that in euphoria yes jules is a black girl her mother is clearly black her sister who is played by the actress stormy Reed, is clearly black both of those ladies did an amazing job in their role this season or whatever but as far as dark skin representation is concerned with you know the students or whatever like mckay who like i said only saw him episode one of season two and bobby who we just now getting acquainted with in the fucking season finale <laughs> of the goddamn series. So I don't know. Hopefully in season three, we get to learn more about Bobby because she really stole the show for me in um, this particular season finale. Lexi's play was fire though. <laughs> like tens across the board. I was completely enthralled in the goddamn play i too wanted to keep that shit going just like everybody else in the audience now i did hear the commentary on, on other podcasts and i seen the commentary on twitter and <laughs> instagram about how the fuck lexi was able to pull off this extravagant of a play for a motherfucking high school on a high school budget only thing <laughs> that i could think of because i agree now like for this play to be as fucking detailed as it is where the money come from because as far as i'm concerned the only person that's rich or that got money in this fucking high school is nate or as far as the cast is concerned like everybody else they live middle class or poor or not poor but apartment <laughs> that's not poor i'm just saying it's either middle-class homes or middle-class apartments i don't ever see royalty and luxury and regalness except when they come to nate he got the big ass house with the dad who got the thriving business that's friends with politicians in the goddamn community that they grow up in like where did the money come from for this play only thing i could think of the play had that kind of budget because the school had never done anything with the money that they is receiving from whatever school district to do this kind of stuff. Like, you know, schools, they get money for extracurricular activities and, you know, stuff like this. School plays, school dances and stuff like this. I remember Lexi having a conversation with her principal 
to even get to play greenlit about all that money kind of sitting there. If I'm not mistaken, I could be making this up, but I feel like she had a conversation <laughs> with the principal. I remember the conversation, but I don't know if she actually included the money part. That's what I'm trying to say. But she had this conversation. I believe she made mention of some money and that's where the money came from. Didn't know we were sitting on a <laughs> hundred grand. You know what I'm saying? Cause that shit looked expensive. That was stage design. <laughs> like, there wasn't no damn cardboard cut out nothing. It was the floor was moving. <laughs> like the floor was moving. They was building houses on stage in 10 seconds or less. Like this was a actual this could be at your local <laughs> theater ass play. This was Broadway level shit. And um we got to see it on <laughs> Euphoria High School or whatever the fuck the high school is called. But it was good nonetheless. Despite us being confused about where the money is coming from for it and where the money came from for it, um, I really <laughs> enjoyed watching Lexi run around cussing everybody out in the back, even though I was like, damn, she got a lot of mouth for somebody who is writing a play basically about her not having the courage to speak up <laughs> to her sister all this time. But it is what it is. She made the play work. And I I enjoyed it. It was a good fucking play. Say what you want, but you know this how you know, right? You know the play was good because nobody left the auditorium. I'm talking about the whole play crashed and burned. People was running on stage. A fucking fight broke out. We had people in the audience yelling crazy shit at the, the uh, actors and actresses and shit like that. We had people calling out, oh, this is about this person. This is about this person. Like the play hit the fucking fan as far as shit is concerned. <laughs> and nobody got up and left. Nobody was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Even Lexi and Cassie's mom, she walked on stage and tried to save the place. She didn't try to like, this needed to stop. This is a real fight. She was like, no, this is all part of it. Like, let's keep this shit rolling. <laughs> like, the play was good as fuck. Nobody left that auditorium until curtains, until after this play broke down and a fight broke out and they did that whole chant and shit. Lexi, Lexi. And she was like, I'm going to come back out and finish the play because I think, you know, I deserve and all this other shit. So let's continue to play. And everybody cheers, standing ovation and all this other bullshit. <laughs> everybody was still in seat watching the motherfucking play. And then it was over. And then they got up and left. That's how you know it was fire. But outside of the play, um, the motherfucking star of the show ashtray ashtray had my nerves like in a fucking deep fryer my shit was going crazy that entire scene with the goddamn cops was coming up and the um the white girl with the big lips or whatever um and the i don't know she looked malnourished but she also looked like that's her normal body weight that girl she the way she was looking at the door every couple seconds and it was like zooming in on the door like you can hear people setting up the barricade or not people you can hear the police setting up the fucking barricades and the battering ram and shit outside about to bust the door in and 
kick everybody down to the uh to the precinct for selling drugs like that entire scene just i don't know that fucked me up i was hoping and praying and wishing i'm like fast please you got to get through the ashtray he cannot do this shit ashtray said i don't give a fuck about none of that shit you talking about if you go to jail ain't got nothing to do so we're going out in the blaze of glory you say them the uh five is on us you say 12 is outside let's get a ass to show he barricaded himself in that bathroom with every single gun that was in <laughs> that was in their trap house and he was like it's it's go time and he gave it to him <laughs> like i was like this nigga played gta all day because the way he was like oh you know what i'm saying the shots are starting to lean over to this side so i'm gonna go jump and hide in the tub and shit like this nigga been playing he he had this shit planned out he was like i know what to do i'm putting all my guns in the tub and i'm getting in there with them and we're gonna shoot this shit up just like they finna shoot my shit up so we just some shooting ass motherfuckers and that's what happened <laughs> they shot the shit up they thought they got ashtray ashtray popped up <laughs> popped up like motherfucking frankenstein and said bitch I ain't dead shot the uh the cop with that crazy ass gun that he had and the other cops behind them watching him celebrate they was like okay but it's still like 10 of us out here red dot on your forehead laid him down and that's the last that we're gonna see of ashtray that that was definitely a headshot they didn't have to show it i'm glad that they did because ashtray's a child <laughs> the fact that he died the way he did was enough when that shit was over i was so fucking like relieved bro like i'm sitting watching this shit again you know what i'm saying i'm vibing you know what i'm saying i'm watching this shit my fucking eyes won't blink i'm like this boy is really he letting every chopper sing <laughs> and the police is shooting back he hitting niggas he hit fez which that probably saved his life because once fez went to the ground after um after ashtray shot him the police was like, oh, fuck that. We definitely open fire. Now nah, we definitely going in. And that's what they did. But shout out to Ashtray, boy. He went out like a real one. I ain't going to hold you. <laughs> he went out like a real one. But he's was a kid, man. That's sad to see a young child lose his life, especially in that way. That shit was insane. <laughs> but um, sorry for Fez as well. You know what I'm saying? Not only did Ashtray shoot him. <laughs> But he also had to witness Ashtray getting shot. Well, he took a bullet straight to the head. And uh, that was fucked up. That's his little brother, you know, essentially. Yes, they were all. Well, no, Ashtray was adopted. But um, Fez, that was his grandmother that raised him. But, yeah, he got shot by Ashtray. He watched Ashtray get killed by the cops. Then he missed Lexi's play <laughs> after he really pushed her to go ahead and put it on the way she had intended for it, whether it was going to ruffle feathers or not. And then he going to jail like Fez had the worst ending <laughs> of us all. Everybody got to watch their uh, trauma and bullshit played out in an extravagant, um, beautiful <laughs> and very well thought out and designed play. Fast caught bullets, watched his little brother die, and going to jail. 
and he missed the play. <laughs> so, damn, I don't know. But that was uh, <laughs> that was the season finale of um, season two of Euphoria. Fantastic show. I'm a little uh, bummed out that season three won't be dropping until 2024. But I guess I ain't going to knock nobody on their um, artistic endeavors and expression. The reason that it's going to take that long for this season to return or for season three to premiere is because the way that they shoot Euphoria it take forever. Like it's not on the cameras that we have today where they have this almost infinite amount of storage and they can capture this 1080p and all this beautiful scenery of like they're shooting on cameras that make it look the way it look on TV, which I'm not mad at because it should look great to me, especially when they do some of these um, scenes and these different like transitions to um, iterate what anybody who is taking drugs on that show is seeing in their head or what they're going through or what they're visualizing while they're on their trip or whatever like that shit is beautiful and it's fantastic so if it's going to take you know what I'm saying I guess <laughs> a year and a half to get us back to euphoria then I guess I'll fucking wait because amazing programming but <laughs> That concludes the reviews. I've been talking for a minute, but we almost done. So let's just continue to roll. Next, we got a new section or not a new section, but I just titled it Continue Watching. You know how when you go on your streaming apps or whatever, the last episode you left off of on something that you're watching currently, it'd be like, oh, continue watching. That's what I named this. These are all the shows that have not concluded yet as far as seasons is concerned or series are concerned and we're in the midst of watching them and i'm watching them so first on my continue watching proud family louder and prouder <laughs> i told y'all that i was going to be watching the proud family louder and prouder when it came on i was very excited about it i'm not let down i'm actually very 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 happy about what's going on with the show it's hilarious as fuck all the jokes are like fresh and new nothing about the comedy of it feels like outdated like this show ended over 10 years ago and so for them to be bringing it back now and it's still the same style of comedy but like it don't feel dated like all of it feels fresh and all of the jokes are hitting like I'm really, really fucking with it. I like the new age, you know, modern things that they've incorporated in it. Um, the show picks up one year after the last season of the original Proud Family, which is dope. And it makes a lot of sense because had they done it <laughs> and like today, today, like we would never see Penny Proud looking this young. BB and CC would be the same age Penny was when she went off TV. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that they picked it up a year from. And uh, we had the latest episode, Snackland, um, that featured Lizzo and the return of LPDZ. <laughs> For all my blurts out there, 
Anybody who's been a Disney fan since day one, you watched the original Proud Family on the Disney Channel when it was giving us new episodes weekly. The shit was fire. <laughs> um, LPDZ is uh, well, La Cienega, Penny, um, Dejanay and Zoe. <laughs> That's their little 3LW Destiny's Child TLC group <laughs> that they did. And um, it was dope that they kind of brought that back around. Like I was like, oh shit, LPDZ from the original. All right, I'm fucking with that. Like they brought it back around, gave them a new song to sing. You know what I'm saying? Uncle Bobby still managing. Like I was like, this is dope. I really like how. I mean, it's a continuation of the original, so it kind of makes sense to do it. But I like that they just made sure to do that to make sure to reach back to those moments from the original series that like endeared us to the show and kept us watching and gave us representation and made sure we seen ourselves and had something to relate to like the show fire <laughs> bb and cc they starting to walk and talk now it's no more baby gibberish and them crawling around or being carried around or <laughs> harassing puff uh <laughs> Um, Sugar Mama's dog, which we ain't really seen much of Puff, have we? Where's Puff? All right, now don't fuck around and forget, goddamn. See, now I'm starting to notice things. I feel like Puff has been there though. Maybe. Either way, yes. I think I remember seeing Puff. <laughs> but yeah, either way, BB and CC, they starting to walk and talk, you know what I'm saying? Which again makes sense. We one year from the original, so of course bb and cc they growing up as babies like that's fire um everybody but sticky who is voiced by orlando brown has returned if you know what happened <laughs> with orlando brown and um raven simone and disney as a company then you know why they wrote that nigga out of the <laughs> out of the new series quick like sticky had seven seconds out of the first episode and it was him getting into a taxi driving to the airport they left a note <laughs> that said that sticky was moving to japan because his dad got a job over there i'm assuming dad's in the military or in the tech or something i think he's a tech guy either way he went to japan we're not seeing sticky no more we're never gonna hear orlando brown do anything with disney because he ruined that, uh, but that's okay because they've made some other changes to the show that I feel like the younger generation to, of today, the blurs and nerds and geeks and, you know, just the black kids all around the world watching this shit today are going to appreciate with the introduction of new characters. We have a new brother and sister, you know, character. Um, KG is the brother. He's voiced by rapper A Boogie with the hoodie. You might have heard some of his songs before. He's a New York rapper or whatever. I fuck with A Boogie. He got some cool songs or whatever. Um, and then his sister on the show, Maya, is voiced by Kiki Palmer. So those are dope additions to the uh, actual cast of the story. They're playing a cool role or whatever. They have this like backstory about them where they are the adopted children of an interracial gay couple. So their white dad is voiced by Zachary Quentin, who blurs nerds and geeks. 
who are Star Trek fans, you might know him from the Star Trek films. He plays Spock. Um, and then just for all the rest of you who are not <laughs> Star Trek fans, because I'm not really a Star Trek fan. Um, he was or he got his start or his biggest role, or his breakout role. Am I trying to say? Yeah. He was Siler from Heroes, the white dude who was like, oh, if I just capture these, you know, mutants, for lack of a better word, these people with these special powers and I dissect them and I eat the part of their brain that gives them their powers, I will acquire their powers. Heroes fans, y'all might remember that. I definitely do because I used to fucking love heroes. Um, but yeah, Zachary Quentin voices the white dad and the black dad is voiced by the legendary Billy Porter. So they got plenty of uh, star power coming in along with pretty much everybody from their original cast, like Kyla Pratt, Tommy Davidson, Ari Spears, voice and wizard Kelly, like everybody who played their original like voice role, Joe Marie Payton playing Sugar Mom, like everybody who did their original voice role, Sedge Entertainer as motherfucking Uncle Bobby, like all of them are back. So we got that wonderful lineup of star studded, like <laughs> just black talent. And then on top of that, like I said, they've added Zachary Quentin and Billy Porter, Kiki Palmer, A Boogie with the hoodie, um, Michael, his voiceover character has also changed, or his voiceover actor has also changed. Um, that character now is openly gay. And if you got a problem with Michael being a kid that is openly gay, yeah, it's just tripping. Because if you watch the original Proud Family, everybody knew. <laughs> everybody knew Michael. Everybody knew what the hell was going on with Michael. We knew it. You know, only character on the show wearing a, a tall tee with one shoulder hanging out the goddamn neck. Like, we know what time it is when Michael stop. <laughs> stop with the homophobia. It's played out. Nobody cares. Like, leave us alone with that. Michael is the openly gay character, as he should be. We knew he was gay. On the other one, they couldn't just be out with it, I guess, back in those Disney days. But now inclusivity is the big word so michael is visibly and openly gay and they don't even do like a big old oh you know coming out thing for michael they just have conversation with him and throughout the conversation you can tell they know he gay he know he gay <laughs> and don't nobody have a problem with it which that's how it should be to me like What's the big deal about him being gay? It is what it is. On top of that, he is being voiced by E.J. Johnson, which everybody should know that's Magic Johnson's son. I think that's his only son. I don't know. Maybe that's his most famous son. I don't know. But E.J. is voicing Michael. He's doing a great job. Michael done had a bunch of funny lines <laughs> since the premiere of this fucking new series or whatever. I'm enjoying it as a whole. Like, I really like the storylines. And the things that they are doing with the show, my favorite episode so far is episode two, where uh, Penny became like a social media influencer. But she started letting that shit go to her head and was like doing all kind of wild shit to her friends and stuff. That episode was funny because of all the commentary that was happening as Penny is transitioning to this fucking over obsessed, egotistical social media person. 
Um, the Gross Sisters made their, you know, debut. At, <laughs> they made their return debut, I guess, in episode two, still being voiced by Raquel Lee. They've figured out <laughs> some new ways for the Gross Sisters to jack Penny and her friends. That shit was funny in episode two. They was playing like they was rappers and they was charging people <laughs> to watch them perform, even though nobody was asking them to perform. That shit was funny. I'm really enjoying Proud Family <laughs> louder and prouder. Um, new episodes come out every Wednesday. We on episode five of 10. We're going to get 10 episodes for season one. So uh, you'll probably catch me talking about this at least one more time on the watch list whenever I get back around to doing these because look at the time we are we going <laughs> so let's just uh, continue to move on because we we almost done next <laughs> Abbott Elementary y'all know I fuck with this show dope as fuck the whole cast is fire they're doing an amazing job I love this whole scripted like docu-series style that's kind of like the office but not it's giving a new little twist on it. it's pretty dope um it's funny and it's fresh i really like the way that they are like shedding light on what's going on in the public school system but doing it in a comical way like all of these issues that they're facing just trying to make sure their kids have a quality education like that shit really be happening in these public schools most of these public schools they are minority run and they are minority populated as far as the kids are concerned and it'd be just like this so i'm really <laughs> enjoying that they putting on because i talked to my teacher friends about it and they like yes they're proud of everything that quentin bronson is doing they really really like just having that kind of representation hoping that the show can you know what i'm saying aid in some way with changing the constant bullshit that happens to public school teachers so shout out to quinta <laughs> this shit is fire i think i already said that they had got renewed for a second season in the headlines pretty sure i said that big big that's dope um i am caught all the way up we had a little break because some shit was going on and they decided not to air some episodes so we got a little break but season or episode 10 should be coming on next week and i think the last episode we had was centered around principal ava and janine coming together to do like this little after school step program so that they could perform this step routine in front of this audience of parents and faculty and all this other stuff got to see a different side of ava at first, I'm watching this shit. I'm like, yeah, everything the other teachers are saying is going to happen. She's going to fuck Janine over and it's going to be fucked up. She did, but it was for a good reason. And then on top of that, it made me kind of believe that Ava's not really as bad as a principal as I thought. Because even though she wasn't prioritizing, you know, saying the kids learning the routine in the same way that Janine was. It kind of made sense, you know, once you kind of see how everything was working out. Like she gave the kids some time to learn each other and trust each other and uh, bond so that they would even feel comfortable dancing in front of each other and learning this routine together and coming up with a routine together. Then, like I said, coming up with a routine together, she put the routine in the hands of the kids and it was like okay these stale moves that janine teaching you whatever 
what do y'all want to dance? Like, how do y'all want to dance? How do y'all want this, you know, step routine show to go? And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Janine was, <laughs> she was more so living vicariously. See what I'm talking about, Euphoria? Janine was kind of living vicariously through her kids. You know, I used to be in step and they did all this for me. And then it's still disciplined and da, 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 And I'm going to do this for the kids so they can be disciplined and shit. Ava came in there. She was like, this is supposed to be fun. I understand you want all this discipline and stuff, but they'll learn that if they figure out how they can be a community with one another. Like You don't have to force that on them. They'll learn that once they become friends. She set it up for them to become friends. They came up with a fire ass routine. So, like I said, Euphoria, don't sleep on the black stories. Now, nah, nigga, we, <laughs> we need to see it. It's, it's important. It's happening. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Quinta and everybody involved with Abbott Elementary. The actors, actresses, the writers, the producers, everybody involved with the show is doing a phenomenal job. And I know this because the motherfucking show is phenomenal. <laughs> Even the other storyline that was happening on the episode with the other teachers like trying to have this like pizza tasting contest and Greg, who is the person that played everybody hates Chris <laughs> him being like I never had pizza I like regular plain ass food potatoes and rice with chicken on the side like <laughs> like he had never had pizza a day in his life and he was lying to them people and they was like what the fuck is wrong with you but <laughs> good episode um excited for the return I believe next week moving along from that we got Bel Air Yes, we're still watching Bel Air. Um, episode 8 is actually on Peacock for me to watch right now. As soon as I get this episode uploaded, I'm going to be watching Episode 8 because Episode 7 ended really good. We had Will, you know what I'm saying? He's still kind of dealing with him and Trace falling out and trying to understand or figure out if he's going to be okay without his boy, his best friend, <laughs> being his best friend anymore. Like, you know teen drama shit but outside of that it led him and carlton to start getting closer but will and lisa have also started getting closer to the point that they are now like in a secret like relationship and haven't told carlton he finds out later though at the end of that party y'all know what i'm talking about <laughs> but um speaking of the party will decided to throw you know what i'm saying carlton a party to try to get him cool after you know what I'm saying? Carlton kind of flipped out on the other cool white boys at the school and kind of got ostracized from the cool circle. Yeah, so we're trying to sprinkle some magic on him, get him back hot. We'll see how that works out. I guess in episode eight, um, Ashley is dealing with some feelings. She's a kid, so, you know, she just got a little crush on her uh, girlfriend that she met online. Not like girlfriend as in their dating, but like her female friend. I just don't like saying the word female. She has a circle of friends. There's like her and two guys and then another girl. And she got a crush on a girl and the girl revealed to her that she got a crush on Will. <laughs> but all of these kids are like under the age of 12, I believe. So that's uh i don't know it's it's childish little kitty love this is what it is i'll leave it at that uh, but that's what's going on at ashley's little storyline um hillary had this whole exploitation thing going on you know what i'm saying she had made the video 
in the lingerie, the uh, sexy cooking tutorial she did or whatever. And the white dude, you know what I'm saying, who owns the influencer house that she's staying in right now, he posted it without her consent. But, you know, when she signed up to live in the house, she gave him consent to do that without necessarily realizing it. And, you know, she don't want that to be a part of her brand. She wants to be one of those black girls that don't have to take their clothes off to get attention. But um, the influencer dude don't give a fuck about that. He was like, look at your comments and your engagement, like your shit's through the roof. It's probably one of your most watched videos that you've posted in a long time. So, like you're welcome i did you a favor and <laughs> i don't know hillary was not feeling it she even got jazz involved they rolled up on the white dude at a party and then the white dude was like hey i'll take it down but like i said engagements are through the roof and i got some folks over here at victoria's secret that want to give you a brand deal so what you want me to take it down and tell the victoria's secret people leave me alone or you're gonna come get this bag hillary chose to get the bag i'm not mad at it Jazz took it a little hard. He was ready to fight for that girl. You know what I'm saying? They had been, you know, developing their romantic relationship over the course of these seven episodes. And um, they had finally kissed and stuff. So he was like, this is my girl. I'm protecting her. I'm looking out. But um, Hillary was like, you know, you know, you're a friend and I'm attracted to you. We kissed and all that stuff. That shit is cool. And you had my back coming up here trying to get this nigga to take my video down. But. He got me some money on the table, so I'm finna take that, and I know how to rock from here. I get that. The term sellout was kind of loosely thrown around from Jazz's point of the conversation. I can understand that, too. But like Hillary said, you know what I'm saying? It's a different day in the social media era. I do feel like she kind of, you know, compromised a little bit. But if it was me, you know what I'm saying? If I'm in this situation where something that goes on the internet that i don't want to be on the internet but i can stand if it's on the internet especially if it's shining some kind of light or making you know giving me some kind of exposure then i guess and then on top of that it translated to a brand deal all she got to do is wear the free lingerie they're gonna send her when she decides to make another one of those videos or just in a video she makes or whatever it don't necessarily have to be another sexy video like that and just promote the promo code and she's good she don't really have to you know make another one of those lingerie videos but i don't know i get why jazz was tight about it and i get why uh hillary was like i do the brand deal with victoria's secret they're gonna give me free draws all i gotta do is you know show a little piece of it here and there in a video make sure i plug my promo code so that when people go over there they get their little discount and the company kicked me some money it is what it is i ain't necessarily mad at that because i get it you know from hillary's standpoint she made a point earlier in the episode about you know saying black women already being over like hyper sexualized in the uh entertainment industry and social media and she didn't want to play into that narrative but i mean it seemed like she got a kind of smart way to deal with it so we'll see what happens that's what i'm saying that's why i'm excited to watch episode eight because i really want to see how her story continues and i also want to see how (laughs) 
Carlton, Will, and Lisa's story continues now that Carlton knows that Will and Lisa have smashed <laughs> because he saw them coming out of Will's room down the stairs as the cops were trying to shut down the party and Lisa had to get her chief of police father on the line to tell those racist ass cops to just fall the fuck back because they was definitely about to try Carlton black ass walking out talking about I own the house I'm this is my house what's going on like nigga you are in high school and the darkest motherfucker in here they don't get, believe shit you said about this is your house I don't give a damn if it's on your ID or not they was about to try Carlton until Lisa got that on the phone and um, chief of police told the motherfuckers get out let them go that's my daughter at this party you about to try to fuck up don't do it. Shout out to Lisa and her police chief daddy, even though he fucked up for trying to run for the same seat that Uncle Phil is trying to run for. <laughs> and that's what's going on in Uncle Phil's storyline. His campaign has had a shock to it because he's lost the support of the police chief, who is also Lisa's father. And that same police chief, who is also Lisa's father, has turned around and decided he's going to run for the same position that Uncle Phil is running for. And that's fucked up. It's causing Uncle Phil to make some decisions that he shouldn't normally be making. Some decisions that did not include Aunt Viv, even though it includes the finances and the account that they share. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, things are starting to get a little shaky between Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, which is fine. That normally happens in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like, they have their moments where you get to see they're in a marriage and it's not smooth all the time, but they never break up. So, I ain't even worried about that. Aunt Viv, on the other hand, is also in her own situation, pushed back into the art world unexpectedly by michael e lee and whatever the fuck his character's name is he came in swooning over goddamn everything that aunt viv has ever put a paintbrush to and convinced her that it's time for her to go back into the art world and that turned out to be good for uncle phil too because he was definitely starting to get nervous like this nigga michael e lee i don't know what his character's name is i forget but <laughs> this nigga michael e lee he shows sniffing around my wife quite a bit he in rooms in my house that he shouldn't be in looking at paintings that my wife did i don't know about this uncle phil had to pull up and be like i support mines and that led to a very very great conversation between two black married people about radical honesty and where they are in their life and the things and choices that they made in their past that led them to where they are now and how they want to change things moving forward i'm fucking with that because that's how you communicate when you're in a relationship it's not my way or the highway it's not you wrong i'm right none of that it's let's come to a middle ground let me take accountability let me allow you to take accountability for your parts in the situation and let's work on moving forward let's work on a resolution let's work on continuing to build they did that uncle phil and aunt viv gonna be fine they fine but that's all for bel-air like i said episode eight on the peacock right now checking that out as soon as i get this episode uploaded um moving along bust down <laughs> bust down also on peacock fucking hilarious this was actually a breath of fresh air 
Um, I'm currently on episode five of six. I've been trying to take my time watching these episodes because that is how much I enjoy Bust Now. This shit is fucking hilarious in a time and place where black television right now is very, very um, intentional about showing us in the most positive lights and making sure that all of our stories include growth and maturity and just not bust down (laughs) bust down is just pure comedy is uh dumbassery um it's foolishness it's tomfoolery (laughs) like it is one of those black shows that is strictly supposed to be a this is to make you laugh this is going to put a mirror on you but it's not in a judgy way it's literally just fuck it like all these other shows they got it they got the upstanding black people they have the stories with the you know good intentions and you know the goodness <laughs> over here on bus down we cracking real jokes. We doing real ignorant nigga shit. Like the last episode I watched, this church episode or whatever, them niggas was literally in a car, hot boxing in front of church, literally before they went in. Like they having this fire conversation full of jokes and just <laughs> dumb black comments or whatever, passing this fucking blunt around hot boxing the fuck out of this car you notice they all dress kind of nice but you're not really paying attention to it because the conversation is engaging and then you hear something happen in the background they like oh shit we gotta go in they open the car smoke billowing out these niggas <laughs> shaking around <laughs> they church closed they are literally in front of a church house people are going in and they are following behind I was like this ain't some of the most ignorant shit like <laughs> it's hilarious if you want to just vibe you know so i like the vibe if you're trying to just vibe and chill and you want to laugh at something that's not you know bel-air <laughs> or fucking Abbott elementary like it's just dumb nigga shit like bust down is it it's funny i hope it goes on for many many seasons like they're doing a good job of straddling a line of being like super blatantly like just dumb ignorant to the point where you can't listen to it or watch it or whatever because it's like too much and oh this is real life they straddling that line between real life and y'all too much for this i can't do it it's fucking hilarious (laughs) i've enjoyed every episode that i've watched so far there's only six episodes in the first season which leads me to believe that this is definitely (laughs) a testing kind of thing like if this show does not do good peacock is gonna leave it exactly where it's at ending with six episodes but I feel like we might get at least a season two out of it. Like, it's funny as fuck. I just don't know if they're going to have the necessary, like, push behind it to make Peacock be like, oh, yeah, we need to renew this. Or maybe they have a second season already renewed, and I just don't know about it. I don't know. But I enjoy the show. It's fucking hilarious. 
really, really hope that it comes back. That's bust down on Peacock. Um, if you have Peacock because you're watching Bear Lair like myself, just put in bust down or it should be being promoted <laughs> across the top of the Peacock somewhere. Watch it. Niggas, watch it. Like, you're going to enjoy it. I'm telling you. <laughs> and when I say niggas, I don't just mean straight black men. I mean all niggas. Like... They got a character in there for everybody. <laughs> like, and it's, well, no, they don't. But still, <laughs> like, they're, every black person that enjoys being black is going to enjoy this show. There you go. It's for us, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never seen these actors and actresses before Langston Carmen, Jay, or Sam Jay, and um, Jack Knight. I know who Chris Red is. I've seen Chris do comedies kind of like this before. So he was instantly a face that I recognized and was like, oh, okay, I know that nigga. He kind of funny. I'm going to tune in. But the rest of this cast, I'm not really familiar with them. Either way, that don't matter. Like, they do a good job <laughs> at making me laugh. That's what it's supposed to be doing as a comedy. So I'm cool with it. Shout out to Bust Down on Peacock because... That shit is funny. <laughs> Last but not least, look at the time. God damn. Last but not least, on um, continue watching. If you made it this far, send me a DM at B R I A N S A P P H on Instagram or Twitter. Just send Brian Saf a DM and let me know I made it to the end of the episode because I, I just want to see something. Um, but last on the list definitely not least power book four force you know that's tommy's story um i'm actually not caught up on this so we don't really got to talk about it that much i'm enjoying this show you know what i'm saying it's a nice addition to the power universe tommy is one of my favorite characters from the series um last i remember from the last episode i watched uh, he pulled some slick shit got some money Gave it to his black brother that he just found out he had said fuck going out to Cali. He going to stay in Chicago and get in good with the Irish mob, build his own thing. Um, he had sex with the black lady from the bar. He beat up the Irish dude and the other Irish dude who is the ex of the black girl or whatever. He hating, but Tommy probably going to fuck him up if he already hasn't. I, think, I don't think he has, but he will. <laughs> and... um. Yeah, he trying to, you know, what I'm saying build a relationship with his new brother that he just found out he has. And on top of that, the other black dude that just got out of prison, you know, his past starting to catch up with him, you know, the barber or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm into the story. It's just I've been watching a whole lot of other shit. So it is what it is. But I'm definitely going to catch up. And like I said, I'm enjoying the show. That concludes the motherfucking continue watching. <laughs> Last segment. Ah, no, it's too long. This is a long ass episode. What the fuck you talking about? It's short. This the last segment next on my list. Peacemaker. We already talked about that. Still haven't started it yet. Still on my list. Um, Moon Knight, which comes out May 30th. We'll be hearing more about that on the uh, Talk of Play Blurry cast. The next watch list, I'm definitely going to be talking about it. And The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz. I've been hearing nothing but great things about it. 
not necessarily like gung ho and excited to go see another Batman movie. I've seen so many in my lifetime, but they say it's one of the best ones yet. They said that about the Dark Knight. Now that I think about it, and it was. So I'm gonna believe the people, <laughs> and um, I'm gonna see this at some point. I know it'll end up on HBO Max soon. I might jump out into the theaters and just go see it just because i'm really really interested to see what the hype is about i really like zoe kravitz as an actor robert pattison is not bad either so i don't know they say it's really good i might check it out if not it's up next it'll be on hbo max in another you know few weeks and then i'll definitely be on a talk and play blurred cast giving you a review so that's it now we are done coming soon halo series um that's gonna be fire can't wait to watch that and miss marvel which we talked about in the previews so we done <laughs> thank you for tuning in to another episode of the talk and play blurred cast i understand that this episode is long as fuck if you did not make it this far i don't fault you catch me on the next watch list <laughs> when i do this again in about you know another three or four weeks and um you know that one should be a lot shorter i just had a lot of reviews because i've been really sunk into all of these streaming services that i pay for so um yeah i've been finding some great content it is what it is i'm gonna continue to bring great content to the podcast if i find it um outside of that though you know what i'm saying social media at b-r-i-a-n s-a-p-p-h that is brian saff i'm on twitter instagram and also here on the talk and play blurry cast and also on youtube over at nerds rule the world with my guy webster style where we co-host the nrw checkpoint um check us out if you want to know anything about the new releases in the gaming world for the week it's a weekly show every week new games come out we talk about it that's it thank you for sticking it out with me if you made it this far like i said dm me I'll catch y'all on the next one. Peace.